back to the Leadership Lane. I'm your host, Bruce Waller, where I am talking to leaders that are making a difference in the workplace and in our community. What did they do to get started and what are they doing to stay there? What are they doing to accelerate in the leadership lane? And today I have a very special guest. Her name is Tanya Carruthers. She is the Executive Director of Human Resources for Pro Football Focus. She's a certified in HR. She's a speaker. She's a trainer. She's a whole lot more. And I am so excited to have you on the show. How you doing? I am fantastic. And just thank you so much for thinking of me and having me at your, as your guest today to speak to these lovely folks. It's um, very exciting. Oh, I, I am energized just to see you. It seems like it's been forever. You know, um, Tanya and I both served together many, many years ago in Dallas HR, and we've got to work together and and uh, I'm excited to talk to you today about uh, a lot of different things, in particular uh, leadership. And then you have a new you have a new job, a new role, and I'm anxious to talk about that as well. And so, before we get started, though, I always love to uh, for our guests to just talk a little bit about your organization, Pro Football Focus, and how you serve your customers. Yeah. So thanks. It's um, you know you mentioned that I did a transition uh, recently. So I actually just hit my six months at um, Pro Football Focus or PFF is kind of what we call it. It's been a thrill ride for sure. It's, <laughs> it's been crazy. Um, but PFF is a data and technology company that serves um, our customers uh, specifically in professional sports. So we have a B2B side and a B2C side. The B2B is what a lot of people probably know as far as if you watch ESPN or listen to any of the sports radio, you'll hear um, the analysis and stats are provided by PFF. So on the Sunday night games, Monday night games, this crazy past season, there were Tuesday night games, um, which is very different for NFL. But um, our owner is Chris Collinsworth, who's a former football player, professional athlete, and he's also a, a commentator on NBC. And, and so we are able to bring that to life for people within the professional sports industry. Um, on the consumer side, on our B2C side, we also um, allow people to do fantasy football. So if you've ever done one of those fantasy football leagues or anything like that, we provide that service. We provide a lot of betting. Um, so there is sports gambling that happens very much um, so here in the States, but it's super popular internationally. So we are a global company that serves people on both sides. And most people know us for football, um, which is hence pro football focus, but we've shortened it to PFF because now we have dived into other sports. So just in December of last year, we started working on soccer and rugby as well. So MLS starts on Saturday and the team is geared up to get that going. How energizing. Okay, first of all, I'm very energized just to talk football. Right. Um, but just, <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm going to be looking for that PFF. That is fantastic. And I know there's probably a lot of people that are listening now that may be familiar with it. All of a sudden, they'll be looking for it as well. That, Absolutely. oh man, that's so exciting. Um, and it's, I mean, it sounds like just, I mean, you're energized. You, you sound excited just to be part of the team and, and to be in this new role. I would love for you, before we, we kind of get into that, I would love for you to just, I want to hear the Tanya Carruthers story. I would love to hear you share, uh, where did you grow up and how in the world did you get into leadership in HR? Yeah, so... Man, I don't have time to tell you my whole story because we'll be reading a novel, um, but I'll tell you, I, so I am a Texas girl through and through. Um, I was born and raised here. Um, I grew up in Plano, graduated from Plano Senior High, went to school at um, Texas Women's University as well as Texas A&M Commerce because um, I was a college athlete. I ran track and, you know, through, I kind of fell into it like a lot of people do, I think, um, especially because I started on the recruiting side. And um, shortly after school, um, I was able to get a job at ADECO um, Recruiting Services, which is the largest staffing services in the country. And um, I actually applied for a project coordinator role. And um, I got the project manager 
role because I had a specific skill set, which um, with a technology that they were using. But I would say maybe six months into my job, our former VP at the time, Tom Lash, came to me and was like, hey, everything I've thrown at you, you've done really well. So what do you think about recruiting and leading those efforts for us in this office? Because I worked in a specialized government services office. And I was like, sure, why not? And so (laughs) I went to a week-long training at a Deco University. And my first month on the job, I was the top recruiter in all of the company. And I found that it just really touched and leaned into my, um, I guess, my desire for competition. I mean, Mm. when you are, you know, reading um, and trying to hire people, it's a it's a race, especially on the agency side. And I can't lie, the money wasn't bad. Right. So um, all of those kind of fell into place for recruiting. But then shortly, well, I, I was there for over five years and um, Walmart corporate office called and um, and wanted to recruit me away to come and be a recruiter for them. And to be honest, when I first got the call, I was like, I don't want to work for Walmart. Like, I don't even I... really shop at the store. So why would I want to work there? Um, but, you know, it, it came with education, even for myself, which I have to do a lot of times for um, even my current candidates or people that are trying to work for us, that um, obviously Walmart's much bigger than their stores, and they have a whole corporate office in Bentonville, Arkansas, and um, I flew in um, for the interview, flew over the cow pastures and all those great things, (laughs) and went to um, the wonderful world of Walmart and fell in love, not necessarily for the work at the time, but it was, um, I had an opportunity their interview process was a couple of days and they kept me over Saturday morning for their Saturday morning meetings, which they Mm. um, only do once a month. Now they used to do it every Saturday and every member of management had to be there. And you had the leaders of the different departments get up and talk about the business and what value they brought for the week. And if sales were bad, you know, it was totally transparent, a lot of accountability. And I absolutely love that. So Mm. that was the selling piece for me. Um, And then, you know, six years later, um, my husband was like, look, we need to come back to Texas. (laughs) Like, I love living in Arkansas, but we need to get back home. Um, So I had an opportunity to um, do some things um, with some other well-known companies, I think, uh, JCPenney. Then I spent a little bit of time at Yum Brands, um, specifically on the Pizza Hut side. And um, finally, uh, my last role was at Interstate Batteries. And um, after six years there, I've transitioned over um, to become the executive director of HR at PFF. Man, there is a whole lot there. Oh, wow. What a journey. Uh, And starting with Tom uh, saying, hey, I can see that everything I'm throwing at you, you're you're taking it well. Let, let's let's keep growing. That's right. And I I, I want to get in to talk about mentors, but you know it's interesting what you were sharing is about how your your belief or your mindset about Walmart early on was kind of set in. Hey, why would I really want to uh, go and interview with this company if I'm not really you know believe in in you know in, in the organization or or just Walmart in general, mm-hmm. but then, but you were open yeah. uh, to, and had the courage to say, you know what, I'm just going to go check this out. And that is interesting too, about how they had you in for that Saturday for, to see, like paint the picture of here's what life is like here. Walmart, that re- the way they recruited you was absolutely fantastic. What were, did you take any takeaways from that into how you recruited after that? I'm just curious Mm -hmm. about that. Yeah, great question. So there's a few things, you know, um, I think you have to know um, your candidate and what motivates them, right? Mm. Which a lot of times as a recruiter, we should be getting that on the front end. So every pre-screen that I've ever done, um, you know, I ask, every single candidate kind of give me your top two or three Mm. things that is most important to you what are what is going to motivate you right because some of us depending on the season of our life it could be location it could be money it could be um, work-life balance which we hear a lot it could be my ability to impact and drive the business which is one of my big things Um, so they understood me enough to know 
yeah, I can be a recruiter anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. And as and I can represent the brand as long as it aligns with my values in a positive way. But um, I was younger in my career, so I was very motivated by getting in, getting hitting the ground running, and and being able to make an impact in the business that I serve, and be able to contribute in a way. Um, outside of just like I'm a number, right, or mm. a person on the team, especially going into a company like Walmart, where we had, you know, so many people um, working there, it, it I re that was most important to me. So I feel like that's what I took from it. Um, I also took something on the other side where it's, you know, make your interview process um, more streamlined and don't, mm. you know, cause it was long. Like I said, I was there a couple of days. Yeah. And, um, and so unless you know, you're going to hire this person and you want them to start making relationships and meeting some different people, you know, I don't think there's any reason to ever have someone interview with 10, 15 people, right. Um, that I know some companies do it, but a lot of times you can really impact your candidate attrition through that. Yeah, I actually hear a lot of candidates talk about the just the length of the process, the multiple interviews, and then next thing you know, they're they're going ahead and taking something else because they don't have time to to mm -hmm. go through that. Uh, oh man, thank you so much for sharing that. That that's yeah. uh, I guarantee. You, listen, if you are listening right now, get out your pen, get out your journal, take some notes here. There's there's going to be a lot here. That's fantastic. I want to talk a little bit about. Uh, uh, mentors who kind of helped you along your journey because the first person you mentioned was the VP Tom mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm sitting there going man what a gift what a blessing to have Tom in your life were there uh were there some mentors that I mean you have really I mean you've worked for some stellar organizations and now here you are um leading once again who are, are there some different people that have helped you along the way and, and, and share a little bit about, you know, maybe who they were and, 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 and what they did to help you? Yeah. So man, you're right. I've been very blessed in being able to serve alongside some fantastic leaders um, and people that have taken, whether it's a chance or an opportunity to pour into me. Um, I would say, different seasons of my life have brought different people in mm. my life that that have an impact at that moment right but um so tom lash is one that i would say um he encouraged me to take the interview mm. he just said look you're young in your career it, you know this is an incredible opportunity to work for the number one company in the world um just at least take the interview and see if you like it that's what he encouraged me to and i feel like really, really good leaders, um, very similar to my most recent leader at Interstate Batteries, Chris Willis. He's the same way. He's like, you know, we want you to be here and we um, want to take care of you while you're here, but this may not be the ending place for you. So as mm -hmm. long as you take something away and we positively impacted your life, then we've done our job. And I love that because so many managers that I work with now don't want to lose their people, whether it's to a promotion or another company because they feel this sense of ownership, which I can totally understand, right? If you've invested in someone, um, you want to reap all the rewards and benefits. But if you really care about the whole person, then you're willing to do that. Um, but I think I specifically want to point out a group. It's actually, um, we call ourselves the Women in Leadership Group. It's, mm. it's not um, super creative, but it's 12 <laughs> of us that um, we we do like Foxer chat, especially this last year has been super tough. So we just encourage, we celebrate each other, we um, pour into each other. And it's women all across the U.S. that um, have different gifting and skills and their leadership in their own field. Um, one specifically is um, Deanne Turner, and she was the chief HR officer for Chick-fil-A. And um, she's, a, she's an amazing friend of mine. Um, she actually has two books. So um, I'll talk to you about that book um, in a little bit. But this group of women have probably done more for me in my personal and professional development over the last six years than um, anyone that I necessarily have worked with. And that's not you know, um, saying anything negative about people I've worked with. It's just, it's a different 
um, vibe. And I feel like I can be super vulnerable in that group because we've built this trust. And, you know, especially working in HR as an HR leader, it's tough to be vulnerable at work because we're the ones that mm. kind of carry everything for the company, our team members, the managers. So you present yourself in a different light. And, and this just came at a time in my career that was amazing and the things that have come from this this group has really really just helped me develop who I am and and be more thoughtful as a leader. I love that. Oh man. I so a couple of names you shared. So Chris Willis, I know Chris well and phenomenal leader. Uh so I appreciate you giving him a shout out and sharing that and I love the the advice. Um and then Deanne Turner, I got to see her speak and it was at a church in Carrollton. Mm. I think Tony Bridwell was speaking that day as well. And um, she had a book out. My pleasure. I think it's my yep, pleasure. It's my pleasure. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I've loved what like watching her since then uh, on social. So is that a group that you you sought out to join or how did that how did that happen? Well, you know, so to, to your listeners, one thing that I think is important to know, and you probably will hear it as I speak throughout this conversation, mm -hmm. I am absolutely a believer. And I believe that, you know, God just gives us opportunities in life um, that we don't deserve or that we're not looking for. And that's really how this group came about. Um, I sit on the board for um, Pure Hope Foundation. It's an organization that supports um, sex trafficking and victims of self tra sex trafficking. And um, I was on that board and, and we were having a meeting in um, Mount Vernon, Texas. And um, I just got a call and they were like, hey, when, but can you come ahead of the meeting? Because there's a group, we're doing this women in leadership group and we thought of you and your name came up multiple times and we want you to participate. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> Okay, sure, sounds great. Um, and, and of course I was super confident on the call, but when I hung up the phone, I was telling my husband like, I don't know why they want me to come. Like, I feel so unworthy. I know that the trending name now is the imposter syndrome and all of that, but I was just like, I'm not really sure. Cause I was looking at the list of women that are gonna be there. Yeah. And I was like, I am nowhere near like where these women are in their career. I mean, almost all of them are, I think all of them are older than me, but I was just like, okay, God, if you really want me to be there, you're going to mm. have to give me this confidence. And my whole time driving there, I was thinking like, oh my God, I'm going to stick out like a sore thumb. They're going to be like, why did we invite this chick? Like, I don't understand. And I mean, it was really just taking the leap, even though I didn't feel like I would belong um, and doing that. And, and when I tell you it has been, um, reciprocated. I feel mm -hmm. like I've brought just as much value to them as they have absolutely brought to me. And we've seen our kids like, you know, grow and reach milestones. And um, there's two of the women in the group that their sons are seniors this year, just like mine. And so we're going through this whole journey together with our little mama hearts breaking because our boys are leaving home. And um, so it's, it, it really was just um, a gift from God. And he, 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 orchestrated it and um he presented the door I had to walk through it and that's yep. exactly what I did oh man I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now I have chills uh just listening to the the gratitude and the joy uh that you're sharing right here this is fantastic and I'm all about uh community uh yes. we just learned so much from being a part of a community and I know many times uh people uh, have like, we're all busy. We're busy, busy, busy. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we say, you know, we don't have time for that, but if we would just, just check it out. And if, you know, and if your heart kind of pulls you in that direction, just having the courage to walk through that door, like you talked about your life can absolutely change, yeah. change. Hey, I want to ask you a question. So you've, you've been on this incredible journey. Mm -hmm. uh, you're an incredible leader. Uh, but now that you're here, when you think about your, you know, I always like to ask uh, leaders that are really making an impact, if there was a moment when they mm -hmm. found that purpose, or uh, as I like to say, when you found your lane, 
in your career, was there a moment that you can like look back to and say, you know what, I knew I loved uh, talent acquisition, recruiting, HR, when this happened, or were there a lot of little moments? Share a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, um, purpose is such a big deal um, for me. And so I always want to be really thoughtful of like how I spend my time and what I'm giving back, right? Um, whether it's an organization, it's a relationship with that person, whatever that looks like. But um, of course, I fell in love with recruiting. It's hard not to. Mm. Um, when you get to talk to people on the best day, you know, probably some folks the best day of their life, but at least the best day in that moment for them when you give them a job. And being able to deliver that message is just something that I'll probably never want to give up. You know, I mm. still um, work with some executive recruiting and do some things like that because I absolutely love it. But I feel like it's the foundation of growing like the company's talent garden or even like our community's talent garden, like whatever you can pour into them. And even if someone doesn't get a job, um, did you make enough of an impact, whether it's giving them candid feedback? I mean, I'm big on feedback and I think it's necessary, like, you know, with the automation of things and just the speed that things flow in now, it's easy to use our ATS and just disposition candidates and just look at it for six seconds and say, nope, 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 nope. And, and I'm not going to say that I never do that because I have a job to do. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's very valuable, especially when you've interviewed someone to give them feedback mm -hmm. that if this didn't work out for them, what else could or what can they do to improve? Or is there another fit like being an advocate to the business to say, look, I know this person's probably not going to fit our software developer role, but I know with future state, we're going to need this skill set with agile and, and working with cross-functional teams. Could they fit into um, this, this new role that we create? Maybe it's a project manager for IT because they bring in all of the skills and able to collaborate. And we have a deficit on our team, right? So having those conversations with the hiring manager and the leadership, I think is very valuable because it it opens up opportunities so you're not just in the moment being reactive mm. so that's big for me um and then I think just my ability, what I found, you know, of course, most of us has done like leadership assessments and mm -hmm. all of these things. Um, I've found that I have um, a skill and a towering strength to be able to kind of see the big picture, if you will. And um, as I talked about earlier, maximizing ROI and value, like those are towering strengths of mine. So being able to fit in a place and actually get a seat at the table where I can bring um, not only uh, physical diversity, but also diversity of thought, like, you know what, that seems like a great idea, but have you thought about it this way? Like, I'm really, really strong at that. Mm. And, um, and I think that's just foundationally um, where I, where I do really well. Um, and if you don't mind, I want to mention someone else, like, where I learned that the best is, um, when I worked for Walmart and Sam's Club, mm -hmm. um, and I was the senior manager over the recruiting team at Sam's Club, I got to work for Sharon Orlop and Doug McMillan. Um, okay. So Doug McMillan now is the CEO of Walmart. At the time, he was the CEO of Sam's Club, and Sharon Orlop at the time was the chief HR leader. And um, they really gave me the first opportunity to have that seat at the table and see what could be done from that. And I think um, that was the reason that I was like, okay, I think this is my lane. This is where I need to be. Um, how can I continue to be there? But a lot of it came because I wasn't focused on necessarily title before that. I mm. felt like I could be a leader for the organization without the title and mm. of manager, right? Um, so I was doing things to impact positive change and to add value before I was put into that seat. Oh my goodness. That is absolutely so good. You know, I was, uh, one of the things I really enjoy about upcoming guests is I go onto the LinkedIn profile and just start looking and seeing what, what, what's on there. And one of the things I noticed about yours was you have strength finders on there mm -hmm. and, and you have, uh, so when you're talking about that, I'm like, man, this is right on focus, command, deliberative learner, and relater. And of course, when I saw focus, I'm thinking about your organization. That's why she chose BFF. Are you kidding me? That's awesome. Um, that is absolutely great. But 
my question for you is, and I want to start getting into talk leadership, but what drives you? Man, you know, um, it's different now. So um, it, you, what used to drive me was being the best at work, mm -hmm. um, being like, this facade that I had created for myself, like I'm so valuable to the organization, they can't live without me. Um, and that's all a lie. So, um, but that's the story <laughs> I was telling myself at the time. Um, but, but honestly, I really am driven by, um, am I treating people with respect? Do mm. I enjoy what I do? because that is ultimately the most important thing. Like when I wake up in the morning, am I excited about going to work or am I dreading it? And um, so that's why I'm really not afraid to make a change and, and be honest um, with myself. If I'm in a place that does not make me be my best, then it's probably not the place for me um, or the role for me, right? But being able to have that dialogue with your leadership and your team, I think is so important because, you know, it's, it's really about um, my joy because if I'm not happy at work, which is where we spend majority of our time, then I'm not going to be the best wife I can be. I'm not going to be the best mom I can be. I'm not going to be the best, you know, board member or whatever other um, attributes we put behind our name um, if I'm not happy in what I'm doing every day. Yeah, I, I love that. I recently wrote a blog about uh, finding, finding joy. It, uh, I started off with, you know, once I heard uh, someone share that once you find the work you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And I'm like, that's got to be a myth. Are you kidding me? And then here I am later in my career. And I'm like, I am right. That's just right on target. Cause I, I wake up, I'm energized and I just love, I just love what I do. I love the people I'm with. Uh, I love the environment I'm with. I, I love this conversation I'm having today. Yeah. I call this my growth day. And so uh, no, I appreciate you sharing that. That That is absolutely right. Hey, I want to ask you, I, I like to ask my guests, um, there's so many different ways you can define leadership. How, how do you typically, when someone says, hey, what, what is leadership to you? What, what would you say to that? Yeah, you're right. There is a, a lot of ways to define it. And, you know, I have a few books that are kind of like my staple go-tos and um, and one of the things uh, that Stephen Covey talks about and he mentions in his book is um, leadership is being able to balance working in the system and working on the system. Mm. Um, so to me, it's like, okay, figuring that out and um, understanding how to be that balanced leader where you're, you know, because there are times as a leader um, I think a lot of us can relate over the last year or two where teams were trimmed back to, you know, some of us as HR leaders became individual contributors versus having a team just because mm -hmm. of funding or layoffs and so forth. So there are times where you just have to roll your sleeves up and get down and dirty um, in the tactical work. And then, but at the same time, being able to balance so you can be the strategic leader that's thinking about future state for the organization and how we're going to produce results. And so I think finding that balance is to me what leadership is. Mm. And it's, um, you know, it's obviously about achieving results um, with and through others, right? It's not all about me um, and what I'm delivering for the organization. It's do I have the right people around me to help me accomplish that? Um, it's all about a good leader is all about communication, whether mm. it's you know, regular and effective one-on-ones, but it's also giving and seeking feedback. You know, a lot of times we're very shy about asking for feedback about ourselves or how was it <laughs> working with me on that project, especially when we know that there were some, some speed bumps in there. You know, no one wants to hear the negative stuff, but I think it's so valuable and we can grow so much from it. And then also being a change champion. So um, change for me, you know, it's, it's, um, it's unavoidable, right? In every part of our life. But if you're, especially as a leader, you have to be the champion for change. Because if you're a leader, the people under you typically follow your suit, you know, follow suit with what you're doing and what you're providing, whether it's, you know, I remember going through a huge, um, change with our systems at um, interstate batteries and we were switching to work day and you know and if anyone's ever went through a work day uh, transformation and implementation you know that there's there's stages they don't yeah. roll out all the modules at one time well at that time I was leading the recruiting function and you know we were 
being forced to kind of do um, ISIMs on top of Workday and trying to map mesh those systems and the managers that we supported, our customers, if you will, they were like, look, this is too much. Like, why are we doing this? I don't like this. It's extra work. And, you know, I had to absolutely step up and be a champion for change for the organization, mm. for our customers, for our team. Mm. And I'm like, so, but I did that by telling them why it was important, mm. how we're going to get there and helping them understand there's light at the end of the tunnel, right? Like we're in a season, this is not going to be forever. And I think all the those things are, are very important. And then finally, my, my last thought on um, that is what I mentioned earlier, recognizing and understanding that anyone can be a leader. It mm. does not matter what your title is. So if we think about the responsibility and role as a manager, does that mean it's the same thing as a leader? Um, I think they can coexist, but you have to know that it doesn't matter if you're an individual contributor. It, like. Um, Again, it's I, I refer to um, Interstate Batteries, Adelaide. Um, she's like the best person ever. I know you've been to the office, so she's the the lady that sits at our um, front door. Okay, yeah, at the front door um, there, and she is absolutely a leader in that space. She has so much ability to affect a lot of things at Interstate Batteries. Right, mm -hmm. her title as the receptionist doesn't say that, but her actions and her responsibilities say that she's a leader. I used to work for an organization many years ago and they had a, the title was manager of first impressions. Mm, I yeah. love that. Oh, that's fantastic. Hey, I want to, I want to tap into some, oh man, there, that was phenomenal. That was phenomenal. I, I'm telling you right now, there are people taking notes right now, including awesome. me. Um, one of the things, though, you said was uh, leader is about uh, not just giving feedback, but seeking feedback. Yeah. I think that's a hard thing to do for a lot of leaders because you use the word vulnerable. Yes. And it's kind of got that a tie in, you know, seems like before uh, vulnerable uh, meant uh, weakness. Right. I don't want people to know I'm weak in this area, but listen, if you're weak in that area, we already know. We already know. There you go. That's right. <laughs> so, so you just need to come clean and ask us. And I remember being in a Dale Carnegie class one time and it said, if you really want to get better, you could ask some questions uh, each year. So I always reach out to different clients and say, Hey, wh what do I do best? Uh, what can I improve on? And you know, and what can I, you know, what should I start doing, stop doing and continue doing right. That's right. And when I started doing that and getting that feedback, all of a sudden, what happened was my relationships actually started getting closer. And uh, that was phenomenal. Why do you feel like it's difficult for people to seek feedback? And for those that are listening, what is a tip that you would suggest on how to do it? Yeah. So the first part, I think it's difficult because, it, I mean, it's the exact, Brene Brown does a fab, fabulous job of telling us about vulnerability, I'm such a right? big fan of Brene Oh my God, Brown. I love this it, right? Awesome. I love her little videos. I love yes. hearing her speak. I mean, I'll, she's I'll so natural. <laughs> yes, um, but she does a great job of telling us about vulnerability and why it's so hard. Yeah. Um, you know, I will speak from, uh, from my experience, you know, obviously as a, a woman of color that works in organizations, um, you know, I always grew up, my family, you know, it, they talk a lot about it in the, in the black culture that um, we, we don't have the opportunity to make mistakes. Um, we don't get the grace to, um, you know, be less than our peers, our partners, right? So I went into my career thinking that exactly, like I always have to be the best. And if I make a mistake, what am I gonna do to fix it and cover it up or, you know, whatever, mm. right? With integrity, of course, but mm. that's so not right. Mm. Um, it's, it's really um, being open and vulnerable enough because most people understand that they're not perfect. So they will give you grace if you're honest and have integrity in that. And I think that seeking the feedback is a way to show, you know what, I understand that I'm not perfect. I know the start, stop, continue is a great way to do that. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. I know that we just worked on this project together. Like, yeah, tell me some things that I did really well because I want to keep doing that. Mm -hmm. And then tell me some things that I 
can get better at? Like, what would you have liked to see differently so I can improve? Mm-hmm. Um, having that mentality of continuous improvement, I think is only going to make you better mm-hmm. every single day. Um, tips on how to ask that. I think, you know, getting yourself um, a circle, like a trust circle, right? Mm. It could be one person, it could be five people, it could be 12, like my women in leadership group. Um, but that you can start off by practicing that vulnerability, right? Um, because what happens is the first time that you get some feedback that maybe doesn't align with what you thought in the story you were telling yourself, you know, you may respond in a way that's not positive, right? That can have some impacts on your career growth or career development or path. And so do it in a safe space, right? Like get a couple of those people, whether they're coworkers, friends, um, mentors that you can absolutely be vulnerable with. And, And the thing that makes a great mentor, mentee relationship or coach, whatever, is they're able to tell you the truth, Mm. right? The truth that other people won't tell you. And um, I think that that's my tip on how to start that. And then once you get comfortable in that space, you can open it up with your team. And I think that you'll find to your point, like you said, it makes you better. Mm. It it makes your relationship stronger and more authentic um, and deeper. And so, yeah, that's the the tip I would give. So even if it hurts, if somebody's telling you the truth, you need to keep them around, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That is so good. Well, um, that, listen, that, that's fantastic. Now you, um, obviously made, made a change during a pandemic, right? I think it was October around, around that time of 2020, um, and having the courage to make that change. I mean, obviously, you you know, you you talked about it before, uh, already, but now that you've made that change, I'm just curious, I'm always fascinated uh, with leaders that that make a change in any period, whether it's COVID or not COVID, um, I'm always curious if they have like a, you know, when we um, elect a president, they always talk about having a hundred day plan. Do you have a hundred day plan? And where am I, where I'm going with this is you talked earlier about uh, connecting with the leaders, uh, having a strategy, having communication with leadership. And uh, what I want to know is, do you have a do you have a, a plan going in number one and then number two I would love for you to talk a little bit about how you develop influence right you're mm-hmm. new right mm-hmm. um, obviously the organization has hired you for a reason they know you they know your skill set but you still have to come in and develop that trust so talk a little bit about kind of your your journey yeah. So yeah, you're right. It was October 12th when I started at PFF. And I mean, six months into it, I don't regret the decision, not one bit. Mm. Um, I know that it was, um, it was time. And so, you know, I wasn't looking for a job necessarily. Um, I was happy in my work, in my role. Um, and Interstate's a fantastic company that I highly recommend and still refer people there. Um, but it was it was definitely a time where my season had ended um, with that organization, and God again opened a door for another one. Like I said, I I knew of PFF. I mean, I have I'm the only girl in my house. I have two teenage sons and a husband, um, all athletes. Um, I love, love, love sports. And um, it goes back to the impact that you leave. Um, on others. So Mm. I, this job actually came to me from someone that was not necessarily on my radar, you know, like I wouldn't have called them for, you know, uh, prospects or anything like that. It was someone that actually was in a group that I supported as an HR business partner. And um, they are really good friends with someone that's one of the executives over at PFF. And, um, And so PFF was actually looking to bring in a new HR leader. They had never had HR internally, like in the 12 years as a company. Um, So that was scary in itself, but, um, (laughs) you know, everything had kind of been outsourced and, but they were ready to bring it in house. And so um, when Solly was uh, talking to this, this person, um, said, hey, yeah, we're looking for a HR person. And and so this person said, hey, 
I don't know exactly what you're looking for, but I, you need to talk to her anyway. She's the best HR person I've ever worked mm. with. Um, I think she would be amazing and she could come in here and do this. And, and so um, I said, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I'll talk to them. Like, I don't have a problem. I, and I was really thinking about talking to them to provide them with a, a referral. Like, I was like, let me figure out what you're looking for and see if I can refer <laughs> someone over. Um, but my son, my oldest that I talked about as the senior, he heard me say PFF and he's his head like turned really fast, like, mom, that's a legit company. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, well, maybe I should consider this because I think my cool mom status just shot up a ton. <laughs> um, and anyone that goes to the PFF website, it's no secret. Um, and this is actually one of the things that I have in, in my plan, um, their employer brand is almost non-existent. Mm, um, right. There's nothing on their website that shows like what it's like to work there or to be engaging. And so um, I didn't know a ton, but I had an opportunity to, to speak with Neil Hornsby, who's our C CEO, and um, Chris Collinsworth, who I mentioned is our owner. And right. when I say that they are leaders that um, just have a passion for what they do, you can tell they enjoy their job because neither one of them have to work, um, but they do. Um, they have a high level of integrity and they were willing to go through this change because I was like, this is not going to be easy, guys. Like, I need you to understand this is before I even came. Um, you know, this is going to be a tough thing for your organization to accept and it's going to be a lot of change and they were all in it and supportive. And so that's the reason that I decided to make the leap. Um, you know, at, because I guess I, I don't live in any fear or whatever, like I didn't really worry about it being in the middle of a pandemic. I was like, well, we'll be fine, you know it's going to take care of itself. And, um, and, but it, it did add some different challenges for sure. I mean, like if I think about onboarding, um, so in my interview, I did create a plan, a, a 90 and 180 day plan. And okay. I did that in my interview process and said, Hey, based on what I've learned, right. Not that I have all the answers, but based on what I've learned, just from hearing you guys talk, this is what I feel like that should look like, right. In the first 90 days, we'd want to accomplish this. And then in that first six months, we want to accomplish this. Um, since I've onboarded, I've also created my strategy and my plan, um, for the first year. And so we're right on track and it's been a ton, a ton, a ton of change. Um, but I think that to know that you're being successful and to put some sort of barriers and parameters around you, I, I highly encourage any leader to do that or really any team member, right? It doesn't mm. matter what role you're coming into. Like what, what do you feel like will make you um, feel successful, right? In this first, you know, 90 days or six months, what does that look like for you? And then in those one-on-ones that I talked about, it's so important, review that with your manager and make sure that y'all are on the same page. And if there's something they're missing, talk about why you added it. Or if there's something that's missing from yours, talk to your manager about why they feel like that's as important as um, they do to put that on your plan for the first 30, 90, 60 days, you know. Yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned that, not just for a leader, for anyone in the organization, because what it does, it, it sets the expectations, it puts everything in alignment, maybe you have something on there that is different than what the leader thinks, and then all of a sudden you have a chance to talk, talk about that. I love that. I think that, so that's part of it. I, I'm thinking that, you know, developing influence in the organization mm -hmm you're basically number one, you're, you're having that conversation early on saying, Hey, look, this is going to be hard. Um, but here's, you know, here's what it's going to look like. And so you're, you're developing that along the way, by the way, I've, I've uh, read a lot about Chris Collinsworth and I really mm. admire, admire his leadership and just, uh, I've, uh, 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 seen some different excerpts about him coming onto the show as a broadcaster early on and how he had to earn that trust That's right. as well. And so, but it starts at the top, right? That's starts right. at the top. You, you had that, uh, but you just continue. But I love what you're saying about uh, not just a leader putting together uh, 90 days, 180 days, whatever. It doesn't have to be a five-year plan. You can just be over the next 90 days. Here's what That's I'm right. going to try to accomplish. Go to your, uh, your, your leadership and say, hey, what do you think about this, right? That's right. Yeah, you had you had mentioned about developing the influence. And of course, um, in my 90 day plan, one of them were to 
um, establish myself as the go-to person for HR and build relationships with the other mm. members of the executive team. That was part of my 90-day plan. Um, some were super easy. And some were a little bit more rocky. I mean, honestly, um, I actually just had a conversation with one of our leaders last week um, in our one-on-one, -on -one, and he's been with the company pretty much since the beginning. He's a fantastic, I mean, he's awesome, wicked smart. And I, again, it goes back to that two-way feedback. You know, we were kind of just talking and I said, hey, can I share something with you? Mm. I said, um, I feel like we're in a great place now, but honestly, when I first started, I felt like you didn't value HR or value what I was bringing to the table. You know, tell me about that and what can I do or what did I do to make you feel that way? And then how did we get where we are today where we work together great, right? It was, so it was a journey. And I think being patient and understanding and giving people grace that just like you are going through a change, so were they. Um, that was really important. Like I didn't, when, when we would hit bumps in the road or he wouldn't follow my process that I put in place, you know, I didn't say, oh, I'm never working with him again. Oh my God, he doesn't value me. Oh, I'm going to go around him. Mm. I really just said, you know what? He's one of those people that I have to show him and I have no problem showing him what value I bring to the table and how I can impact his world in a positive way and take things off his plate that he probably doesn't even like to do. Um, um, but I, I really had to take those steps to just say, instead of me telling you, I'm going to just show you and then it will all work together, work out. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, man, this is so fantastic, fantastic that you shared this because I actually had a guest, Diane Sanford. She's the chief people officer at uh, On the Border. Mm -hmm. She was talking about how she had someone in her organization at one time uh, well, not agree with things that she wanted to do. Let's just say that. She would actually, before she would go on a board meeting, she would take it to this person. Say, hey, look, I know you're going to poke holes in it. Show me what, what I was wrong. And of course, he, he obliged, <laughs> poked yeah. holes in it. But what she did was she went back and said, okay, here's all the holes. I'm going to you know, work. And then when she went in the boardroom, she addressed all those ahead of time. And she got the buy-in from him because all of a sudden, you know, that's what he was saying. And so uh, developing sponsors. Mm -hmm. is what I call that. They'll yep. those sponsors or don't be afraid if somebody uh, is negative or looks at things differently, there's still a way to build those relationships, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's fantastic. Oh my gosh. This is so good. Hey, I want to, uh, I want to ask you a question around um, someone that is listening today and they're, uh, and this is the last part of this, and then, then I want to move on. The time is moving so fast, but uh, someone that's listening today that wants to be a leader mm. in town acquisition and in HR, mm -hmm. maybe today they're, maybe they're coming out of college, maybe they're mid-career, what, whatever season they're in right now, what, what's a couple of things that you feel like you've done or you would share that would, you know, they, they should focus on to continue growing in their career? Yeah, wow, such a great question. And um, I have the privilege to be able to talk to a lot of college students um, often. And so number one, I would share that I learned the hard way. So I recognize it and understand it is, um, and I know mostly a lot about this generation and, and really our society in a whole is we like things quick and fast and easy. Mm. Um, and so number one, I would say is be patient. Mm. Um, be patient. Your time will come for now. Watch and learn. Mm. That is, I think, so important. And, and, and again, I'm not going to say that I didn't miss that mm -hmm. um, before in my career, but I think it's so, so important instead of making this arbitrary timeline to say, you know what, I'm going to come and do this for a year. And then in within 18 months, I need this next level promotion. And then another 18 months, I need this next level and, and so forth. Because that's not realistic. That's not how real life works. That's yeah. not how it works in corporate America. Yeah. Um, you know, it may not, it, it, there's a multitude of reasons why that doesn't happen. But that would be my first piece of advice. And then my second piece would be um, going back to that continuous improvement thing that I talked about. Um, obviously, 
it's, it's, it doesn't matter. Like, of course I work in, in the sports industry now, so it's easy for me to relate to, um, professional athletes that are working and they're, they're at the top of their game. But mm. to me, Tom Brady is a great example. I mean, being the oldest quarterback, being at the top of his career, winning the Super Bowl again, you always see that there is continuous improvement mm. and they're prepared when it happens. Mm. And so when that moment or opportunity uh, presents itself for them. And so I kind of approach that the same way in my career. It's um, I always want to be learning, whether it's reading books, um, networking with people, my circle of influence, all of those things. Like I want to make sure that I'm continuously improving there. But I also look at trends and technology and best practices and continually refine those. So when the time comes where there's this big shift or change management happening within your organization, it could be moving to a new system or whatever that looks like, I'm prepared when it happens. So I don't have to be reactive and, and learn and get up to speed when it actually presents itself at my front door. And I think that's so important. Um, you know, technology is the easiest way to talk about that like we know it shifts all the time um i talk to a lot of people that work in it and i'm like you know so you know whether they got phased out of a job or something unfortunate like that but it's like well how long did you know ahead of time before um this new technology was introduced to the company right um whether it's sap for example well, you know, SAP implementation takes a few years. So you typically knew that that was coming. What did you do? Did you start taking any development courses? Did you try to get a certification? You know, did you ask your manager and say, you know what, I know that I'm working on this legacy system, but I want to be an asset to the organization to bring my current knowledge and all of the things that I bring to the table alongside this new technology and new path that we're taking. So what did you do? You have to own your career. And I think those are the things that I would absolutely say to any anyone looking for a, a change or a step up in their role. Okay. I just own your career. I own love it. that. I, yes. I, I've always, my kids will attest to this. I've always talked about preparations, the key to success right? That's right. Preparing, being ready uh, when you're time. I love that. Oh man, this is so good. I'm telling you, I, I shared with you earlier, the time will just fly by. Yeah. Uh, you, you talk about, you know, coming in, leading your team, being part of the leadership team. I want to talk leadership with you, leading Tanya. <laughs> and I would just love it if you could share, do you have a best, and I think you've shared a couple of things, but do you, do you have a best practice or a daily practice that you, um, that you do every day that helps you keep on track as a leader? Yeah. Wow. Um, so every single day, um, it, I journal and I pray. Um, so I'm a big to-do list person. Um, I like to make my list and then check it off because it makes me feel accomplished. <laughs> right. Let me, let me take that off. So that's, that's big for me. Um, but, but journaling, because mm. I can go back and be like, oh, well, why was I feeling that way this morning yeah. versus yesterday or like did something happen and then it's also an opportunity for me to learn right because there I'm not perfect and there are always going to be things that um, maybe uh, like if I have a run-in with someone or me and my leader didn't um, see eye to eye I can write about that and then mm. reference it later um, which is super super important to me um, and then I check in like I mean there's, I, I check in with my people. I mm. check in with my team. I check in with my leaders. I check in with my peers. Like, Hey, I don't want, like, I'll call them sometimes. And they're like, you know, especially when HR is calling, it's like, oh, crap, what did I do? And I'd be like, Hey, I don't want anything. I'm just checking to see how you're doing. Like anything I can do for you. How's it going? Like, you know, and then a lot of times that just number one, it builds relationship, but it allows them to open up and just share things with you that you probably wouldn't get in a normal you know, stodgy meetings. So. I, love, I love that. Hey, I want to ask you this question, uh, talking about checking in. I actually had someone ask me about this uh, recently. Mm -hmm. And she said that, uh, she said, you know, I've heard different people, meaning uh, HR professionals, talk about walking around. I always reference mm. it to walking slowly through the crowd. You know, we, you know, we, we heard Jesus do that, you know, 2000 years ago. Uh, I hear John Maxwell talk a lot about 
that whenever you're walking pause, you know, to have that conversation or that handshake or whatever the case may be. But she brought up something. She said, you know, I haven't really done that in the past. I'm thinking about starting to do that. But the reason why I haven't done that is I'm afraid I'm going to step on the business unit manager's toes. I don't want them to think I'm getting in front of HR. Uh, What do you, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, I think um, what I would share is be genuine. And if you really care about people, like they will know that your motives are not, um, you know, to overstep someone or to step outside of your lane. I think it's just genuinely caring about people. And, and when you ask them, how is your day going? How was your weekend? Like expect and anticipate a real answer, not just like fine, like my teenagers tell me is fine. Like <laughs> yeah. good, right? um, but really expect that. Yeah. And, and, and if you do and you're willing, again, it goes back to that vulnerability word we talked about earlier. And you're, you may be willing to share something that you're struggling with. I mean, we, I know we don't have time, but mental health and all of the things that is like tackled us over this last year. Like I was very transparent with people that worked at PFF and I haven't even been there that long. And I'm like, dude, the summer I was going crazy. Like my <laughs> husband was like, okay, let me get her out of this house. Cause I was like, I can't do this. I feel like the walls are closing, closing in on me. Yeah. So I think just, just being authentic is, um, I know talking to Chris, he'll probably tell you um, at Interstate, we had an eighth value. So there are seven values and then Mm -hmm. the eighth value is the one that's important to you. And Mm. mine is authenticity. Um, So I am, I am so big on just being authentic. And, and I think that will carry you a long way where you don't have to worry about political things in the office or how people view you or anything like that. It's just, you're being you. I'm, I'm going to bring that up in our company. We have seven DNA elements. Those are mm. our core values. Mm-hmm. I love the eighth core value is yours. Yes. Oh yeah. my gosh. That's, that's so right. Good. That's fantastic. Oh, Hey, I got one more question and sure. you've got, you've given like some incredible, incredible advice, uh, but I want to uh, just throw one more. I want to ask one more time, any advice that you were given during your career, it could even be from a family member, from a friend, that it was just, it was so good. You just find yourself sharing it often. Mm. I think the best advice I've been given, and it was probably just maybe 10 years ago, um, was take care of myself Mm. so I can be better and taking care of my team members. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back, many, many of us think that, um, you know, our, our work drives us, it, it's our whole life, all of those things. Um, and, and I gave everything to the companies I worked for. I took pride in that. Um, but at, unfortunately to the demise of my own personal being. And so, um, it, I got some counsel that, you got to take care of yourself first so you can be a better you. And, and so now I really live by enjoying every day because life is precious and I just want to treat others with respect. And I think those are my big things that I would say is kind of the cornerstone on how I lead. I love it. Oh my gosh, this has been so great. Hey, I want to go ahead and shift now to our last uh, few questions on, on this, uh, on this interview with what I call it's time to accelerate and just a few questions. Um, so first question, would you rather read a book or listen to a podcast? I'd rather read a book. Okay. So you know what's coming next. Any <laughs> books that you've read, I don't know, in the last year or so that have made impact on you? Wow. Um, oof. So I read, um, I would just say for personal, not business. Sure. Um, I read Becoming by Michelle Obama. Mm. And um, it was great. I mean, like there were so many amazing nuggets and things that she talked about in her career. I mean, she was super vulnerable, very transparent in that book. And um, I was, it kind of gave me the feeling like, oh, I'm not alone. I'm not the only one that made this. And, you know, it gave me some things that I could uh, tangibly take away and impact in my life personally. So that was, that's probably the point. Isn't that great to be in that place? Like I'm not alone or I belong uh, to a group or a community. I mean, it's just, there's just something just special about that. Hey, let me ask you this. What are you grateful for? 
so many things, but I think number one at that list is it's going to have to be my family. Um, you know, family is so important. Um, and, and they're around no matter what. And, and so I'm, I'm just grateful to have the, a husband that absolutely supports me, you know, when I get these crazy ideas and, <laughs> and want to do different things and, and he challenges me, but he makes me want to be better. And, nice. um, so I, I'm so grateful. Oh, that's fantastic. So 2020, we talked about, I mean, that was a, that was a heavy, <laughs> heavy year, uh, yes. but we're in 2021. We're in second quarter. Uh, yes, we still are in a pandemic, but we're navigating through it. And so I, I would love to hear, what are you most excited about in 2021? Oh my gosh. Um, so many things, but travel is number one. Um, and, and so, and even from a work perspective, so starting this job in October, you know, I did get to go to Cincinnati, our home office is in Cincinnati, Ohio. And so I've been there once for a week. Other than that, everything else has been virtual. So I am really looking forward. I think we're going to try to open our office around mid-May um, for more people to come in. And then I get to start traveling once a month to go be with the team every week. And um, that is absolutely what I'm looking for, to just, you know, hug someone's neck, make that connection, do whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. Just just go up, give a high five. I mean, come on. That's right. Um, so what energizes you? Yeah. So we talked about that a little bit, but, um, the best thing that energizes me is adding value. Mm. Um, whether it's, it, it doesn't matter in anything that I do, I want to add value. Um, and so that could be in my work life that with the company that I'm with in any relationships, personal or for professionally, um, that's what energizes me. If I see that I'm adding value or, um, impacting someone's life in a positive way, that's, that just gets me so jazzed. I love it. I love it. I want to go a little bit deeper right here because I love when people talk about adding value. I was talking to a college student just recently on a Zoom call and I was sharing with her that, you know, sometimes adding value can just be bringing a smile, right? What, what, what would you say to someone out there that's listening? Because a lot of times people, they're looking for this gigantic idea about oh what can what value can I bring what what would you say to our listeners yeah I think that's such a good point like it does not have to be this monumental thing and and a lot of times where I've learned that I've added value to someone like it literally wasn't even on my radar like I don't <laughs> even hardly remember it but it was so impactful to them so again it's being authentic and having integrity mm. in who you are um and and what I'll say to our listeners, especially around work, if you are in a room, a meeting, a Zoom call, whatever that means, and um, you have something that's in your mind and you're like, oh, okay, I have this idea or, you know what, we should try this or I've done that before. Let me share some feedback with you on might be some roadblocks or stumbling blocks that you may find. Have enough courage to speak up and share that because that is adding value. It doesn't mean, and, and don't take offense if they don't use your idea, but being able to speak up in the moment, it does take courage. Um, but I would say that is the number one way you can add value in an easy way because you have ideas. They're in your head. We all know like you're sitting in a room and it's like things are being said and you're like in your head, like going through, oh, I have all these ideas or I should share that. But so many times I see people that don't speak up and, and so it's an opportunity missed. Um, so don't do that. I love that. Oh my goodness. So much value. Uh, in this conversation today. Okay, we're down to the last question. And here's the last question for you, Tanya. Tanya, 10 years older, she is knocking at your door and you're going to take off that headset. You're going to go answer that door. What's she going to tell you? Man, so in 10 years, I'll be 50. And she would tell me um, to make sure that I treat every single person with respect. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter what they bring to the table, who they are. And I think that's what a lot of people should learn right now with, with in our culture, unfortunately. Um, and then finally, enjoy every single day because mm -hmm. life is precious. Um, and so those are, I think, are the big rocks that, that she would share it. Um, and as you notice, that's nothing to do with 
career or title that I held or didn't hold or anything like that. It's just if to have a fulfilling life that you, I, know the, I love the word that you use with joy, which happens to be my middle name, um, that, that if you do those things, you will have joy in your life. And I think that's so important and everything else just kind of falls into place. Well, Tanya, you are definitely driving in the leadership lane. I appreciate you sharing today. Yeah, I didn't hear a talent acquisition in that. I just respect. Oh, my goodness. That is so, so good. Hey, if somebody wanted to, like, follow you or learn more about some of the things we've talked about, what would be the best way that they could connect with you? Yeah, so social's great. Um, of course, LinkedIn. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, it's Tanya Carruthers, very simple. Um, I love Twitter. So Twitter is like my go-to social channel. Um, and, and so I'm at Sassy HR, um, which tells you a little bit about my personality, if you didn't know. <laughs> um, and then finally, Instagram. Um, if, if you're, I haven't gotten the algorithm down on Instagram yet because I don't really like taking pictures a ton because I love to live in the moment. Um, but Instagram, I'm on there as well. And um, it's Tanya Carruthers. Well, it has been an absolute joy uh, yes. visiting with you today. Oh, man, Same. and just seeing you. It seems like it's been I forever. Know. So uh, I appreciate you just coming on, just sharing your like your wisdom and your perspective. I know it's going to help a lot of people that were listening today. So for that, uh, I want to say thank you so much. And most importantly, I appreciate your friendship. Absolutely. Same here. And my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, man, I cannot wait to share this. I'll talk to you later. All right.